0: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. Thanks for joining friends around the world for the Bible teaching of Dr. Michael Youssef on Leading the Way Audio. My name is
1: Peggy. What a ministry it has been to me, just each day listening in the car to the messages that has transformed my life. I love that he speaks truth, and I'm being convicted by the Holy Spirit. This is the real deal. It's what we need to hear. Thank you for leading the way. You've made a difference. God bless.
0: A Precious Story day. If you have a story of how Dr. Yusuf and leading the way has impacted your life over the years, we'd love to hear from you. We've established a testimony line so listeners can share with Dr. Yusuf how lives have been changed due to the teaching of God's word. Here's the number one 133 We'll share these with the staff and maybe some on the air. one 133 589 Thanks for joining listeners from across six continents for this episode of Leading the Way Audio with pastor and Bible teacher, Dr. Michael Youssef. Consider the following real-life storyline from the Bible. Angry brothers sell their sibling, Joseph, to slave traders. Joseph finds himself living as a servant in the house of a high government official, ultimately gaining national trust and power. And then the story twists when Joseph is banished to prison due to a false accusation of sexual advances on the wife of the highest government official in the land. These are the makings of an epic movie storyline, don't you think? Up next on Leading the Way, Dr. Michael Yusuf offers practical lessons from this movie-like script for us today, offering ways to live a life close and clean with God and choose to face the temptations of life with integrity. Here's Dr. Michael Yusuf to begin today's Leading the Way. Today, as we
1: continue to look at the life of Joseph, and we'll see in the life of this young man, we see how he kept his dream, how he kept his trust, and how he kept his faith. Turn with me, please, for the Old Testament reading of Genesis 39, and you'll see why this man turned out to be a giant leader, a great leader. Following from the last message, Joseph now is sold to General Potiphar. General Potiphar at this time was occupying the position of being the director of the Egyptian FBI. Now I have a problem with that kind of a job. One mistake and your head is chopped off. But look at it. Joseph moves from being a favored son to being a lowly slave. He moved... From being a privileged son to being an unprivileged servant. Joseph moves from being the heir apparent to all of his father's empire, and now he is no less than a slave with no rights whatsoever, except for one thing, a little phrase. It's in verse 2. God was with Joseph, therefore, it's a purpose clause, He was with Joseph, therefore, the result or the consequences of being with Joseph is that Joseph was successful. Therefore, he was successful. And because of that, Joseph had more power than the Pharaoh of Egypt. Joseph had more peace of heart and peace of mind than all the noblemen of the land of Egypt. Because of that, Joseph was successful. Because God was with him. Successful in the eyes of whom, you may ask? In the eyes of God. The rest of the Egyptian society, not on your life, he was a loser. He was a winner as far as heaven was concerned, regardless of what the Egyptian society thought of him. And make no mistake about it, when you are a success in God's book, which matter the most, when you are a winner in God's eyes, sooner or later the world will take note of it. Now it might be, it may take longer than you like, it may be more painful than you like. But ultimately, you will be honored, because that's God's promise. Well, it wasn't long before General Potiphar began to notice Joseph's faithfulness. He noticed his honesty. He noticed his integrity. He noticed his diligence. He noticed his hard work. He noticed all about Joseph, and he made him in charge of his household. Now, for you who live in the West, that means this. It means that he paid the bills, and he did the shopping, and he drove the kids to school. Some of you are saying, wow. He oversaw the gardeners, the cooks, the cleaners. He oversaw everything that has taken place in the household. But some of you, when you look at this, you might be tempted to say, wow, you know, how is the heir apparent, the privileged son, now is working as a servant, doing all the menial tasks, carrying on the orders of Potiphar. But all what you've missed is this. Joseph was in the place of preparation. Joseph was in the school of preparation. The eight to ten years span of time, we don't know exactly, between eight to ten years that Joseph spent in part of his household as in charge, as the steward in charge, he was there as a training school. It was not wasting time. He was being prepared to learn how the Egyptian aristocracy lives because that's what he's going to be in a few years' time. You see, David was put in Saul's palace. Why? Because a shepherd boy needs to have an opportunity to learn of how kings live because that's what he's going to be. Moses was put in Pharaoh's palace. Why? So he can learn all about it. It's a preparation for God's leadership upon him later on. Who else could have looked the Pharaoh in the eye? A a mere slave? Not in your life. And he say, let my people go. It's because God put Moses there and He trained him. He understood the Egyptian language. He understood the customs. He understood the fears. He understood their hopes. He understood their feelings. He knew how to talk to a Pharaoh. God's preparation is always important. You might not think so, but it is. Now Joseph is in the place of the preparation. I want to ask you this question: Do you feel trapped in your job? Do you feel trapped in your profession? Do you ever feel I said, "Why, I wish I'd do something else." Do you feel trapped in your school? Do you feel trapped in your studies? Don't. Because where you are right now is a time of preparation for the next step that God has already ordered for you. Even the toughest pain in this life is a mere preparation for the glorious life of heaven. Until you learn how to rule here, you won't know how to rule in the galaxies. And that is why the Apostle Paul in Romans 8, he looks at the suffering of this world, and he said, when I consider the suffering of this present age, I find it not worthy to be compared with the glories that are about to be revealed. Amen? All places of preparation can be tough. But you see, God does not waste experiences in our lives. He does not. And the management training that Joseph was acquiring in Potiphar's household was going to come handy later on. Potiphar trusted Joseph. He trusted him completely. So much so that he signed over a power of attorney to him. (laughs) He can sign his checkbooks. He can do the deposits and the withdrawal from the bank. Because Joseph was successful. Because Joseph had God's favor. Please listen to me. When you have God's favor, when you have God's blessing, when you are a success in heaven's eyes, God will bless your neighbors. He'll bless your friends. He'll bless your relatives. He'll bless your business associates. He'll bless all of those who are associated with you because of you. And that is why Paul said, In Corinthians, that the unbelieving spouse is sanctified in the believing spouse. And that is why he said that the unbelieving children are sanctified in their believing parents. Listen, God in his economy, when he begins to bring someone to the kingdom from a family, he has a plan for the whole family. God works for the whole family. He loves the whole family. He wants the whole family. He makes covenants with family. What about uh, Brother Potiphar? Well wasn't quite brother, but uh, General Potiphar must have been the epitome of a workaholic. (laughs) The moment he found somebody to take all the worries of work of of the house and the household activities, he just handed it to him and he got busy working. (laughs) I mean, the moment this politician on the rise felt that he's being freed from all the household activities, he wrapped himself at his work and he got busy. But you know what he has done? In so doing, he left behind an unfulfilled and an empty wife. Well, what about Joseph? Look at verse 6 of 39. Genesis 39, verse 6. He said, Joseph was well built and handsome. Now, i got news for you. Most of us, fellows we would rather have half of those two pronouncements. Those two descriptions. I think we settled for half of a half. <laughs> In the vernacular of today's language, that means he was a real stud. <laughs> What Joseph was doing during his spare time, he was going down to Pyramid Buddy Works, and he was pumping iron. <laughs> and guess what? Mrs. Potiphar noticed him. Now Joseph was about between 25 and 27 years of age at that time. I'll tell you something about Egyptian society at the time of Joseph. Egyptian women of Joseph's day had a great deal of freedom. In addition, there was generally moral laxity in the society, which is uh, a good formula for sexual promiscuity. Well, Mrs. Potiphar noticed this hunk of a guy hanging around, and she zeroed onto him like a laser beam. She puts on her feminine charm. She gets herself all dulled up. <laughs> Mrs. Potiphar tried once, and Joseph said no. She tried twice, and Joseph said no. She tried a third time, Joseph said no, until it became an obsession with her. Now, I don't want you to think that Joseph was made of metal or clay. He was a rugged, healthy individual. And no doubt he was flattered. No doubt he was tempted. No doubt it flattered his ego. It served to his pride. No doubt he thought through the many months, and that's what the Scripture said, she continued on for a long time. Through the many months that she's was trying to entice him, as trying to seduce him, he probably thought, well, uh, maybe this is my ticket to a higher promotion. And maybe that is how God wants me to get uh, my dreams fulfilled. No doubt he probably thought to himself or said, I'm not living at home anymore. Do what the Egyptians do. No doubt Joseph thought, well, this woman must really think I'm something. And it probably crossed his mind that letting her get, get her way would be an easy way out of her predicament. After all, having a happy boss's wife may have a, a happy boss. But Joseph refused all the kinds of rationalizations that are running rampant in our society. Instead, he emphatically said no once and a hundred times. Did you know that this is the beginning of Just Say No campaign? <laughs> 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 and while I'm at it, this was, actually, the first sexual harassment on the job ever recorded in history. <laughs> Listen to what Joseph said, verse 9, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Look where his heart is, it's not me and my need and how I fulfill my need, God help us. <sighs> Oh, we need more politicians like Joseph, not like Ahab and Jezebel. We need more church leaders like Joseph, not like Judas Iscariot. Now the church hierarchy is coming up with this pronouncement on sex, that sex is not a gift, but it's a right to be fully expressed and enjoyed by any two persons as long as they are in a loving, committed, meaningful relationship. Trash. In fact, I take back what I said about Judas Iscariot. He had a more sensitive conscience. He hung himself. (laughs) Now, parents, please listen to me. I don't preach to you, I preach to us. I'm a believed parent like the rest of you. What we need to teach our children, what we need to commend our children for, what we need to praise in our children, not their looks, not their outward appearances, but their moral strength. Jacob and Rachel have done something right with Joseph. They taught him right. They strengthened his will. We need to instill in our children strength of the will. You heard about the strong will child? Well, I was one, thank God. We want the children to have strong will in the right places in the right places. We need to teach our children to defy the culture. We need to teach our children how to swim upstream. We need to teach our children how to stand up and be counted. We need to teach our children how to be winners for God and for themselves. How did Joseph win this battle? Three things, jot them down if you're writing. First, by keeping his dream. A godly vision, a godly dream, must surely include sexual purity. Joseph knew that God gave him a dream. And the only way God is going to fulfill his dream is going to be God's way. Joseph knew that shortcuts may sound good. That shortcuts may feel good. But they will never bring about the fulfillment of your God-given dreams. Single people, please listen to me. I have a word from the Lord for you. I don't do that very often, as you know. God knows the depth of the temptations you face. God understands the enormous pressures that you are under. But don't give up those dreams. Hold on to them tenaciously. Don't sell those dreams for a mess of pottage. Don't compromise your standard. God is able to fulfill your dreams, and he will. Secondly, Joseph won the battle by keeping the trust, verses 8 and 9. He said, how can I do such a wicked thing? How can I betray my master's trust? (laughs) He made me responsible for everything. He withheld nothing from me except you. You are his wife. What loyalty. What sensitivity. What trusteeship. You know, this is a principle. This moral principle is just at the heart of loyalty and faithfulness in marriage. And Joseph knew that. To commit adultery is to break the commitment and to betray the trust of the spouse whom God has given you. Psychiatrist Frank Pittman, who bemoans the lightheartedness by which we treat adultery, said, Infidelity is a breach of trust, a betrayal of a relationship. It's a breaking of an agreement. Someone said that there is no difference between breaking and entering and stealing and breaking the marriage vow. And Joseph was not going to be a party to this. Thirdly, Joseph won by keeping the faith. Joseph knew that sin, any sin, is primarily a sin against God. David said, against you have I sinned. It is a sin against the individual whom you injured, but it is primarily a sin against God. And Joseph knew that. You know, when I was a youngster going to Sunday school, the very few times I concentrated on the Sunday school lesson, I was about the third grade, and I remember the Sunday school teacher, I remember as if it y- was yesterday. I remember him telling us what is an Egyptian myth about Joseph. Actually, I didn't know that. I thought it was in the Bible until I, of course, studied theology, and I realized that this was a common myth in Egypt. And he described it this way. He said, Mrs. Potiphar took a sheet, and she went to the statue of the God of the Egyptians that's in his house. Every household had a god statue of the God, and she covered him. And she said, okay, Joseph, now you can come to bed with me. God can't see us. And Joseph looked at her and said, no, 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 Mrs. Potter, you don't understand. He said, my God sees all things. So Joseph said no once. He said no twice. He said no a hundred times. Finally, when she pushed him in a corner, he ran. You know, it is somewhat easier to say no the first time. It's a little more difficult the second time, it's a more difficult the third time, any temptation of any kind. Any temptation of any kind. But Joseph understood what the Apostle Paul told Timothy to nearly two thousand years later. That when it comes to temptation, the only answer is not to negotiate with it, is not to discuss it, is not to have a prayer meeting about it. The only answer is to run. Had David put on his Nikes and went out to the Jerusalem park and went around the block a few times, he probably would have avoided the trap that Bathsheba was sitting for him. And in running, Joseph left his coat behind. You notice this is his second coat now. Second time he loses his coat. Someone said it's better to lose your coat and keep your character, than to lose your character and keep your coat. Now those who think that the price of purity is too high, they don't understand the real cost of impurity. Now, there's a very important principle, a biblical principle here. Please listen carefully. The Bible tells us that we must resist the devil and flee from temptation. What do you know some Christians do? They reverse the formula. They try to resist temptation, and then they flee from the devil. And then they fall in both counts. When it comes to temptation, run. Don't discuss it, run. Joseph wins the battle by running. He loses his coat, but he keeps his character. Well, the rest of the story is predictable. Mrs. Potiphar now is left holding the coat. The sting of such obvious rejection ignited her fury. And I'm told that hell has no fury like a woman scorned. That's a quote. (laughs) Just in case some of you don't realize that. (laughs) Frustrated, embarrassed, and angry, her passion gives way to hostility. Now her thirst for romance gives way to thirst for revenge. And Joseph ends up in the prison. Not the common prison, this is kind of a White House prison for the White House staffers who misbehave. Don't you wish? It was in in Pharaoh's palace. It's a dungeon down in the bottom, in the basement. What is Joseph thinking about this point in prison? (laughs) Here we go again. (laughs) Stay tuned. I'll talk about this in the next message. As I bring this message to conclusion, I want to tell you this. The man who made it possible for me and for you to read the Bible in English. The man who translated the Bible in English, his name is William Tyndall. When William Tyndall was thrown into the prison because he translated the New Testament, he was devastated. Not because he was gonna be killed. That was the last and the least of his worries. He was in anguish because he's about to die and he has not finished the translation of the Old Testament into English next time you open your Bible, don't take it for granted. Somebody lost their life, so you can read it in English. He wrote to friends, saying the following words. He said, the day of my execution has not yet been set, and winter is coming. Bring me a warm cap, something to patch my leggings, a woolen shirt. Above all, bring me my Hebrew Old Testament Christians we don't know what it is to suffer for the gospel of Jesus Christ I pray that we don't I doubt it personally but I pray that we don't if we stand up and be counted we can reverse the tide but I want to tell you this you can be absolutely certain of this that you will suffer when you say no you will not very popular when you know how to say no. But as far as heaven is concerned, you are a winner.
0: Thanks for listening to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. As we get close to the end of today's episode, let me quickly mention a few ways you can connect further with Leading the Way and Dr. Youssef. One is a daily devotional email from Dr. Yusuf called My Devotional. Daily and practical words about a verse or two in the Bible that many use as a quick read during breaks at work or when waiting for the kids to finish their activities in the car. Sign up for My Devotional when you visit ltw.org. You'll find a link on the homepage. And second, if you're into social media, glance to the left side of the homepage near the bottom. There you'll find direct links to Dr. Yusuf's Facebook, Twitter, YouTube channel, Instagram, and more. Connect with other like-minded believers and have easy access to the great content from the Leading the Way team. Once again, the website is ltw.org. And of course, you can always speak with a helpful ministry representative at 1-300-133-589. one 133 589